I'm Stuart McLeod, CEO and co-founder of Carbon. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with the world's top accounting leaders. Today, my guest is Ryan Lozanis. Ryan founded Zen Accounting, a 100% cloud-based accounting firm in 2013. Following its acquisition in 2018, Ryan started Future Firm to provide content and coaching to help other accountants fast track their own firm. Ryan has some fantastic and progressive ideas around the future of the profession, creating a scalable firm model and building a firm that can give you the life that you want. There's something in this conversation for everyone. It is my pleasure to welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, Ryan Lazanus. Ryan Lazanus, welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast. How are we? Very well, Stuart. Thank you very much for having me on. Excellent, excellent. Thank you for spending time with us. I hugely appreciate it. We, uh, we'll go through a bit of your story, but I, I vividly recall back in, I think it must have been, will you tell me, like 2012, 2013, 2014? Close, you got it. 2013. 2013, Zen Accounting came onto the scene as a uh, as an up and coming cloud firm and and took the zero world by storm. <laughs> yeah, that's when I started it, and it was one of the earlier online accounting firms in North America. And I just really wanted to do things a bit different. I didn't, you know, I started my accounting career in a pretty small, typical firm, and I just didn't connect with that kind of environment. And I didn't think that clients connected with that the way that services were being delivered. And I just wanted to make people's lives easier. So it really just started as an idea to use online tools and meet people virtually in 2013. That was semi-crazy for an accounting firm. Now it's like, okay. You predicted the pandemic, eh? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so yeah, started that in 2013 as a, as a one-man show, starting from scratch and made basically every mistake you could make in the book. You know, ended up uh, exiting five years later you know, so that that was kind of uh, yeah. So I, I and I think you know we had some very early interactions when when Carbon just started as well. You know, so there weren't a ton of those cloud based firms. And I know you guys reached out and you wanted a little bit of a chat a bit about the product. So I'm happy to see that you guys have been doing so well along the years also. Yeah, yeah. No, we have we haven't quite run off into the sunset yet. We're still <laughs> we're still hammering along and uh, trying to take on uh, you know the CCHs and the Thompsons of the world to make people's lives a bit better. But enough about me. Well, how'd you get into accounting in the first place? Well, you know, is it a family thing or what happened? So the story there is my my father was a small business owner his whole life and he owned a print shop. So I started a paperless business. <laughs> yeah, too many trees going into the warehouse and coming out in boxes, right? <laughs> but from a young age, I was exposed to entrepreneurship and I see, I saw the highs, I saw the lows. And you, you, you know how the print business has gone, right? So one thing that he kind of instilled in me early on was have a fallback plan. Study a profession, learn a profession, because you'll always be able to fall back on that. You know, you start a business and who knows what happens, you know, 10, 20, 30 years later, you can fall back on the accounting title or being a lawyer or something like that if when push comes to shove. So I bought into that and um, I studied accounting. I ended up getting my CPA. 
I'm a terrible accountant, by the way, awful accountant, <laughs> terrible at tax, terrible at accounting. And very early on when I started my firm, the first thing I did was get a, a high level CPA. And the second person I brought on board was a high level CPA as well, because I needed someone to like take that over because I was going to cause some trouble if not. So, so that's kind of how I got into accounting. Well, dare I ask, what happened to the print shop? Did your dad sort of evolve and find, find another industry to to grow into or what happened? <laughs> My father? Yeah, he, yeah, he evolved. I mean, he, he ended up becoming a, more of a consultant down the road and then the business just kind of wound down. And, you know, he retired several years, several years ago, but yeah, I mean, I saw him, you know, getting up at 4am and coming back at 9pm and I've seen, I've learned a lot about what I didn't want. Right. So most of everything that I've learned in business was, what not to do. Sounds like his work ethic was formidable. <laughs> yeah, he had a great work ethic, great work ethic. But yeah, like I said, I saw, I saw the highs, I saw the lows, and I was exposed to that at a very young age. Yeah, yeah, well, that's that's not the worst school to go to, right? Like, hard, hard-working parents, you could you could grow up with a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so Zen Accounting, so, so what happened? You, you went to college, you got your CPA. Where'd you go to college? I went to McGill University in Montreal, and then I ended up going to Concordia, got my CPA, and then uh, started at a pretty small accounting firm. I, uh, the, the way I found my first job was through a phone book, so kind of <laughs> dating myself a little bit, I guess. They don't even have those anymore. How would you find your first job these days? <laughs> Cold calling a phone book, <laughs> you know, thick phone book, and uh, really targeted I didn't apply to any of the large firms. I only applied to very small firms. I wanted to really be hands-on. Worked there for about five, six years. Went into industry very briefly. Only lasted six months. I really hated it in industry. And uh, that's when I decided to start my own business. The only thing I knew up until that point was file work. How to do a tax return, how to do a financial statement, how to do a month end. You know, I didn't love accounting, but that's where my education and training was. And I decided to create a new kind of model, a model that at least that did not exist in Canada at the time, and uh, really, you know, implement an easier way for the accounting get, to get done for small businesses across the country, use cloud accounting software, like I mentioned, to automate the processes, implement subscription billing to kind of avoid some of the headaches that came from hourly billing on the firm end and on also on the client end of things, and just kind of try to create a pain-free accounting experience. Like I said, started Zen Accounting in 2013 with just an idea and ended up growing that over a five-year period. And by then, the model was sort of taking hold in, in Aussie and New Zealand. Did you, did you go down and have a look and, and talk to Zero and, and some accountants there about what they were doing? So the first person that I reached out to, which I, who I've developed a very strong relationship with to this day, was uh, Guy Pearson. Oh yeah, cool. <laughs> you know, so I'd reached out to him, you know, he gave me, you know, a few pointers and actually, you know, uh, he, I think it was just starting practice ignition at this point. I think it was just him. And I think I was his very first customers, very first practice ignition customer as well. So yeah, he gave a lot of advice and that's what I looked at. I, I, I looked at the firms in Australia that were already ahead of the curve, just tried to see what was going on over there. Yeah. That's kind of like, where where I was looking for help, I guess. Okay, so since you started Zen Accounting, so what's that now? Seven, eight years ago. 
do you think the model has taken off in, in Canada and where do you see the industry from where you saw it back then compared to, you know, to where it's evolved to today? Back then, I had no clue if the model would work. You know, everyone was saying that it was a stupid idea and that nobody wanted to work virtually with their accountant and no one wanted to do things online like that. And I had no idea. I was ready to go six months without, you know, acquiring one client and then saying, okay, let's, let, let's, let's quit it. I ended up picking up clients far more easily than I thought. But yeah, I mean, the model back then was, not, was uh, untested. Now the firms that I see coming in, they're all adopting that model. All the, the small firms of that, of that generation, they're all adopting that kind of model. So it's just a matter of time. I mean, that's, that's what the market wants these days. They want an easier way to get things done. You know, they don't want that old school type service anymore. So yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of room to go, a lot of ways to go. But uh, I mean, most of the small firms popping up these days are of that more online type model. No, we've spoken to some good ones. I mean, Canada is a uh, a bit of a breeding ground for you know very progressive firms, David Donato and Volt and Live CA and the, a number of others, all of which will have either have had or will have on the podcast, no doubt. <laughs> Are you seeing the take up in the larger firms yet, or or it's a, still a struggle? It's a good question. I mean, I'm not as exposed to the larger firms, um, you know, so I know they've. They've had their struggles taking up that kind of model over the years. I think they're getting better at that. Now, whether it's Canada, US, you know, I, I deal equally with both markets, but I, I see them getting better at it, but they're, they're just not, there's a few things that I, I just don't think they're still understanding. And it's a cultural thing, really. So, yeah, you know, I'm not as exposed to those very large firms, truthfully. What about the differences between? Canada and the US, because we'll talk about future firm in a sec. But so you got Zen up and going, lots of customers, proved out the model, probably some difficulties along the way. Doing new stuff is never easy. And and what made you decide to to sell and ride off into the sunset? Selling was never ever a thought on my mind. Again, I had always seen my father and he had run his business for decades, and I thought I would just start a business and just run it until the end, basically. And a couple years into starting Zen, I was starting to get approached by a number of firms that wanted a cloud division or wanted to adopt a more automated type model or more streamlined, systematic way of working. And all sorts of firms, uh, large firms, mid-sized firms, small firms were approaching me to merge, partner, uh, potentially acquire. And that was when I really started thinking, okay, what do I really want to do here? I'd never thought about that before. I have all these different possibilities and opportunities coming my way. What do I really, really want to do? And I was, that was the most confused I've ever been in my life. I had no clue. <laughs> so many different paths and I had no clue what path to take. It was really driving me nuts until I had to kind of take a step back and really put a roadmap in place for what I wanted out of life. And when I put that roadmap in place, it was clear that selling was probably a good idea. And I immediately knew I wanted to start Future Firm because my purpose became a lot more clear as I developed my roadmap as well. So I became very clear on what I wanted my life to look like. And I became very clear on what my actual purpose was. And that, as soon as I figured that out, selling was an easy decision. And so no regrets there? Absolutely no regrets. <laughs> 
Was a larger firm that ended up buying it? What happened? It was a, a large um, corporate services firm based out of Europe, out of the Isle of Man of all places. So it was interesting. I got to, I got to fly over there, sign the deal. Never thought I'd visit that part of the world. So, uh, so yeah, that was interesting. And uh, signed the deal, helped them transition things over over about a 10-month period and uh, started Future Firm up right away after that. Tell us about Future Firm. What's the goal and, and what kind of CPAs do you work with? So Future Firm is really there to provide coaching and content to help accountants quickly grow a scalable, systematic firm that they love. And it was really modeled after my experience about not knowing how to build a modern, scalable, systematic firm and falling into every possible pitfall and making all these costly mistakes and you know, figuring out pricing methods, figuring out how to implement a subscription model, figuring out you know, how do you actually get clients in the online world. You know, all these different things that I had to figure out from the ground up that took me years to do, and I had very little support. I'd go to my professional body when I first started my firm. They wouldn't support me. There was no resources out there. So Future Firm is really about me helping other accountants build that model more quickly. I've been putting out a lot of free content over the years, whether it be through my blog, podcast. I have a newsletter that I sent over 5,000 firm leaders globally each week. I've been coaching for the last few years. And in January, I started a program called Future Firm Accelerate which is an online coaching membership, which basically takes everything I know, know about building my firm all the way from scratch to sale, coaching other seven-figure firms, putting that all together in an online training format in my platform, along with a community of around 300 other entrepreneurial firm owners that all help each other out, plus coaching for myself, online coaching for myself. So all of this is put together in a membership program designed to help people build a scalable, systematic firm that doesn't drive them into the ground. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, that's the key, right? Like, oh my God, it's like the, in the US, at least, it's the never-ending tax season at the moment with COVID, right? So, what what do you see in the in the firms that you work with? What's what's the what's the thing that they get out of it the most? Do you reckon? I think it's about teaching people how to run a business. But they're, they're accountants; they should know how to run businesses, right? Well, we've never been taught, right? We've been taught how to do the file work and how to service clients. We're very good at that. But when it comes to actually building a business and you know hiring the right people and delegating the work so it's not all falling on your shoulders, and you know these firm owners are spread way too thin. And I understand because I've been there. And you know, understanding sales and pricing and marketing, this is a weak point generally of these firm owners as well. So I'm really showing them the framework and the process for how to implement all these things to create an actual business that doesn't all fall on the shoulders of, of, of the firm owner, essentially. No, well, we, we, we know that the education area is well and truly underbaked in, in the true areas of <laughs> what accountants need to, to, to build their firms. And this is an area where, you know, some others have sort of <clears throat> tried to fill some gaps. I mean, spoke to Jason Bloomer and in a podcast as well. I mean, he's he's done a great job in sort of filling those gaps and is well regarded in the space. And there's others that, that he's the first one that comes to mind. But um, what about, oh, okay, well, let's talk about pricing and, and perhaps a tech stack. What tech stacks have you got in mind for your firms at the moment? So when it comes to tech, what I actually advocate for is more is not better. 
you know, when I was running my firm, I probably had 40, 50 different apps, right? But I see a lot of distraction amongst firm owners that are chasing after these, all these different types of, like, you don't need a billion apps to have a scalable business. There's a lot of other components to running a scalable firm. So I actually, I actually help coach them to avoid some of these shiny objects. So I'm not going to maybe list out all the different apps that I like. Carbon is one that I, I'm a big fan of. I really like what you guys do. And a lot of members of my Future from Accelerate program are Carbon users, and they say a lot of great things. Yeah, so I won't list out all the apps I like here and all the apps that I use, but a project management system like Carbon is like number one critical. Some, some firms aren't even using something like that. But over and above that, it's not to get distracted by all the different apps that come into view and to have a, a game plan for your tech stack. So I often see people just being uh, distracted by shiny object syndrome and uh, it's not moving the needle. It's not going to, these little apps here and there are not necessarily going to move the needle enough and they should focus their efforts elsewhere. What are your thoughts on, on niche or niche or, you know, vertical oriented accounting firms versus, you know, taking customers from all kinds of industries. What are your thoughts on that? What I help firms with is to build a scalable systematic model. And there's various parts. I have a, a podcast episode, uh, a six-part formula to creating a scalable firm. And the more you can standardize different aspects of your business, the more easier it is to, to create something that's scalable and systematic. And one of the parts of that formula is standardizing who you work with. Now, I don't think you have to go super niche. Certainly, there's advantages to just targeting like one specific industry. I'm not necessarily for or against that. You can succeed either way. But the more niche you go, the more scalable and systematic your firm can become. So I'm not going to go into the, the benefits of, of niching here, but it's a big part of creating a scalable firm. If you want to create a firm that doesn't drive you into the ground, <laughs> standardizing who you work with is an important component. Now, well, I mean, the, the counter to that, obviously, but we'll, is if you, if you specialize in restaurants, I mean, that made life very difficult during the pandemic. But one thing I discovered talking to some accountants is, the, the hap I mean, a lot of them, a lot of accountants are happy, a lot aren't, but the happiest ones are working with customers that they love. They just love working with these clients. And always remember at a conference, I think it was in Chicago, like this, this lovely lady got up and said, in a previous life, I wanted to be a veterinarian, right? I wanted to work with animals. So she's created this accounting <laughs> accounting business that she just adores, that, that she's working with veterinarians all over a, you know, semi-rural area. Is that there was another one that I, th I don't know whether she was an alcoholic, but she only works with, you know, wine and, and vineyards and stuff, right? Like what a life running around Napa, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> taking, taking wine as payment for all your accounting services. I get that. Would be pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, ultimately it's about working with who you want to work with. And most firm owners are just accepting anyone without in, any intention, right? It's just because there's dollars coming in. L lack of deliberateness, right? Exactly. So that's a good word. We have to be deliberate, deliberate about who we're accepting into the firm. We have to have a profile for, for what that client looks like. And it's a very simple exercise. Just look at your top five clients and see what they have in common 
And then build your ideal client profile around that and just accept those kind of clients and just target those kind of clients. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. So what's next for you? You're sort of work, build, building future firm and working with some, some great clients. What, where do you think you can take that to? Yeah, so right now there's around 300 members in the program and I just want to help out as many people as possible. Just continue, you know, the program is still relatively new. I just started it in January. Plenty of room to grow. I'm enjoying the kind of business that I'm running and uh, just building up the team from there. So it's really about bringing in modern entrepreneurial accountants in the platform, coaching them on how to build a modern, scalable, systematic firm and... Um, just doing the best I can there, basically. So what makes business enjoyable for you? What, what is the definition of success for, for the businesses that you build? It's not doing any accounting, bookkeeping, tax work. That's part of it. <laughs> yeah, that's me too. <laughs> I actually just hired an accounting firm the other day, so it's interesting. Oh, there you go. Oh, God, they, they would have been put through the ringer. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting to be on the other end of it, truthfully. Well, I hope they were a kind of yours at least. <laughs> yes, yes. What makes it enjoyable? I like figuring out models. I like figuring out like, What's the model to make this work in the easiest way possible and ensuring that customers are as happy as possible? I just like figuring out what that formula looks like. And I kind of enjoyed that. I think that was one of the things I enjoyed the most about Zen Accounting when it was an untested model. Can this actually work? How can it work? And how could I put something in place that's repeatable? And that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out with Future Firm Accelerate, my coaching membership right now. What's, what's the formula for it all? And it's probably a never-ending process, but I like coming up with that formula. I like coming up with the model. So I like doing that. I've realized I'm probably more of a marketer than anything else. I probably should have studied marketing instead of accounting. I, I think I'm good at that, and I have an inclination for that kind of stuff. So I, in, I enjoy spearheading the marketing end of things. So you know, when I started Future Firm, I, I knew I wanted to just focus on those two aspects of the business. The thing that comes to mind first is you know when building those models for, for professional services firms. I talk to accountants every day and they're like, oh, fuck, I just wish I could run a, a software business like you guys because, you know, you, you, can, you can scale infinitely. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> wait, till you, wait till you see inside the sausage. It's not that great. But for services firms... You can do that. What are the keys, do you reckon? What, ha, which aspects do you have to, are the hardest to productize or, or uh, operationalize? You could knock off my Future Firm Accelerator program and do it in your firm. And I already know some firms that are doing that. I don't know if you know Acuity. Oh, I know Kenji really well either. <laughs> yeah, so Kenji and, and, and Matt. So Matt basically, so, so Matt is in my Future Firm Accelerator program and basically knocked it off to create something for their firm to go down market, right? So create a variety of online courses, have a group call once a month, have a community component, charge a, you know, 150 bucks, 200 bucks a month for that. Capture the down market when they're ready to grow into your higher level tiered plans. Sort of like a fe a feeder, like a feeder. Yeah. But there's a lot of firms that are also like at least in my program that are getting into different types of online courses. They're interested in that kind of approach. So I think there's a play for a more passive revenue-oriented model. Not to say it's not a lot of hard work to get there, but I do think that we're going to see a lot more of this stuff. And I think clients are going to start looking, a certain segment of the market is going to start looking for this kind of approach from certain kind of firms. 
But when it really comes, you know, when, but go further, right? Like, okay, so you can you can build a community, you can build a, a feeder for, the, for your funnel to to bring the type of client in that, that you're seeking. But at the end of the day, no matter how you cut it up, you know, you need to produce good quality work that, as far as I know, still takes a human brain in order to produce. And it's not like software where, you know, you can code it and you hopefully release it successfully. And yes, it never ends and, and we're always building, we're always adding functionality and we're always adding integrations. But, you know, at its, at its heart, software can take unlimited customers. A service-oriented business, you know, at its heart cannot take unlimited customers because you need the services and the, and the staff to support the output. I don't disagree with that unless there are certain seg- there's a certain segment of the market that's willing to do some of it themselves through the online education and training that you provide. Not saying that's my recommended course. Like I'd always recommend that the firm handles the A to Z for everything, but a portion of the market's not going to go for that. So yeah, I think there's a place for it. It's not my number one recommendation for an ultimate client, but there's different ways to deliver the service this day. It's fine though. Like, you know, if, as long as, you know, I mean, an accounting firm is an accounting firm, right? Like you're offering a service. It's, but I, I think what you're saying is like, if, if you can operationalize or formulate or provide framework for producing those services, you can get it to scale far greater than, you know, what, what, what you could otherwise. Is that, is that kind of where you're going? Correct. If you're running a service delivery type model, yes, it's it's software is infinitely scalable compared to the service delivery model. But if we want to achieve something uh, that's not chaotic, that doesn't drive you into the ground, that, that you can add to your growth without sacrificing your personal life, we need to standardize aspects of the business. We need to standardize as much as possible, which comes down to standardizing who you work with, what you're offering them, your processes, your tech stack. The way you employ people can be standardized. (laughs) The way you employ people, having an aligned team in place that all gels together and having business come your way via inbound marketing engine rather than going out to hunt for your meal all the time. So you put all those things together and you can have a business that's far more scalable in the world of professional service. Kind of like a software business, right? (laughs) Kind of. I mean, it's never going to get fully there, but yeah, I mean, kind of like that. There's parallels there that would be interesting to explore another day. <laughs> Correct. I'd agree. What about outside of a building future firm? What is the business allowing you to enjoy some some freedoms, some you know, the, the things that you aspire? <laughs> it's a big part of the type of business that I have, not being tied down to any location. Freedom and flexibility is was the biggest part of running future firm and de- designing it in the way that it is. My calendar is exceptionally clear. I, I wanted to, uh, you know, when I started Future Firm, it was really designed around one-to-one coaching to understand the market and then, you know, have slowly transitioned that over to a more group coaching type approach with online training, online education. So that allows me to be wherever in the world. Now, we don't have a ton of options <laughs> these days, not at the moment. <laughs> I did my first trip a week or two ago now outside of the country so that I felt very adventurous there. But uh, I went to Turks and Caicos in the Caribbean and we have some brutal winters here in Montreal. So looking to spend a month or two uh, elsewhere in the world, somewhere hot. 
this winter. So yeah, travel for me is very important. Experiencing different cultures, different parts of the world, gaining new perspectives. That's a very important part of things for me. Yeah, so a bit, bit up a market from van life. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, van life, I, I, I get the appeal, but it's not, uh, it's not really for me. But I, I like the nomadic, let's say semi-nomadic type, type life. You know, that's, that's where it's heading towards. Well, I think everybody's looking forward to. Um, I, don't, I never thought it's getting look at. Well, I'm looking forward to getting on a plane. I mean, I, I never really ever looked forward to that before. We we took the family to Mexico over summer. That was pretty straightforward. So, so that was all right. But uh, now I've got UK and coming up in November, venturing back there, and that was the last work trip I kind of did back in February two years ago. So it's nearly two whole years before. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I miss that sort of, you know, the, the, the physical interaction with the customers and socialising. We've got a whole team in the UK that I've only ever met one of them before. And, you know, like uh, my, my dream job is just travelling around the world, seeing the team once a quarter, you know, and seeing the customers and running a, a conference here or there. And that's great. <laughs> if I can do that. <laughs> maybe a podcast episode here and there as well. And maybe a podcast episode here and there. We can do that anywhere, right? Like, Yeah, exactly. Pack up my little case and, and move my microphone around the world. I'm happy. And never any more than two. We've got a 10-day rule in, at home. It's like 10, 10 days is just the right amount of time where you, you're uh, starting to miss the family and they miss you rather than they want to kick you out. So I think, I think that's about where we're at. All right. So well, one question I did want to ask and sort of hop, hopping around a bit, I apologise. Where do you think accounting technology is going? Because, you know, o- online was a, was a huge thing back in, you know, 2006 when Zero started and, and really started gaining traction, you know, a couple of years later in North America. What about things like or, or companies like Pilot and Bench and these types of ones that have uh, raised a, a truckload of money and, and sort of trying to um, take the, the human element out of the, the, at least some of the lower, lower end of, of, of the accounting process? So I find them very interesting. I've been writing about them on my blog and talking about them in my podcast since uh, 2019 at least. And um, I serve as a strategic ad- advisor to BotKeeper. So Enrico and the guys, I know, I know they're, they're great customers of ours. <laughs> obviously a big fan of what BotKeeper is doing. Uh, I think it's a little bit different than what the pilots of the world are doing. BotKeeper is partnering with CPA firms, whereas Pilot is directly competing. But I think, you know, the pilots of the world, what's very interesting is that they're cluing in, in my opinion, to dissatisfaction in the market. And most accounting firms, pretty much all accounting firms, have only made small incremental changes to how the, experience, the, the customer experience over the last years and decades. And people, clients, they hate their accounting. They hate their tax. They hate their bookkeeping. They despise it. It drives them nuts. But we're still delivering services in the same way, practically, than how it's always been, other than maybe using some cloud tools and a bit more automation. They want a much more easy, seamless, frictionless experience. And that's what the pilots of the world are cluing into, in my opinion. It's how can we reimagine the customer experience? Yes, technology is one part of it, but how could we really focus in on those pain points to make it much more pleasant from A to Z all the way through. That's what I think the pilots of the world are doing right. So I don't know if I'm answer, answering your question there. I probably went off on a tangent. 
I'm closely following what's going on and I'm really, I'm really interested in it. Perhaps it's a job for carbon to, to, to somewhat fulfill, but how does an everyday firm, you know, sort of modernize that, that client accounting experience? Like, I mean, I, I, I as, a, as a customer of a firm, you know, hate collecting the mortgage statements and all that, you know, like, oh my God, it's, it's can't somebody, you know, I sh- shouldn't say like, be, you know, it'd be great if somebody could do that for me. <laughs> How does your everyday firm sort of, you know, Im- continue to improve their, their client experience? I mean, I think a big part of it is just mapping out your client journey and seeing where you are right now and looking at all the points of friction that you have, because most points of interaction between a firm and a client is non-value add. And if it's non-value add, what can we do to alleviate that? Because then it just becomes annoying. It's all these little tiny annoyances. It's like with Uber and the taxi industry, all these little points of interaction were just slightly annoying. You add them all up and it's an unpleasant experience. That's the same thing, but even worse with accounting firms and the client. It's all these tiny little annoying requests or interactions. So how could we I think it really starts with mapping the the customer journey, understanding where they are right now, and eliminating those uh, those points of friction that just don't bring value. So I think that's a good starting point. Any any final thoughts for us today, Ryan? <laughs> I, I appreciate you inviting me on. Uh, like I said, I'm a big fan of what Carbon is doing. I guess final thought is, if anybody is looking for a little bit more uh, help building a scalable systematic firm, I got a bunch of free resources on my website. My newsletter, futurefirm.co slash newsletter. It's just tips, tricks, and content sent directly to your inbox every single week. The best that I find every week. By the way, Stuart, there's a bunch of carbon stuff that I share in there all the time because you guys do a good job with your content. If anyone uh, is uh, looking for some help to get them to where they want to go faster, check out uh, futurefirmaccelerate.com. Thank you, Ryan. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. We really appreciate the efforts that you make for the industry and uh, we, we look forward to working together some more. Appreciate that, Stuart. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this discussion interesting, fun, you'll find lots more to help you run a successful accounting firm at Carbon Magazine. There are more than a 1,000 free resources there, including guides, articles, templates, webinars, and more. Just head to carbonhq.com resources. I'd also love it if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know you like this session. We'll be able to keep bringing you more guests for you to learn from and get inspired by. Thanks for joining and see you in the next episode of the Accounting Leaders Podcast. <laughs>